Um, okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the guide to eggs. Uh, yeah, welcome to the guide to living inspired. We are going to continue with the laws of Passover tonight. Um, just I want to run through the seder for everyone who's going to be doing their own seder. Okay, I'm going to go fast. And we're not going to go so much into the deep stuff, but I want to throw out a few themes. And then, hey, guys, you know, where'd everyone's faces go? This is now I'm getting feeling lonely again. My nachos is going away. Um, I. <laughs> all right. Good, good. Um, I want to throw out a few of the major themes that are going on in the context of the Seder. I gave I just gave like four classes on Passover this week. So I'm really all talked out and they were really good, actually. Really good classes. But the key is for you guys to really teach your own. Hey, exactly what we were just talking about. Right? I just got tremendous nachas because the guys in our, in our group that we meet each day, we show, the rabbis showed up late and the guys basically taught themselves. And that's really what the Seder is supposed to be. You are all supposed to become the rabbis of your family on the Seder. You're supposed to be leading the show. And the way we lead the night of the Seder, there are a few different mechanisms that we utilize, teaching mechanisms that we utilize throughout the whole Seder. The number one of them is asking questions. So if you want to be the leader on Passover night, get people to ask questions. Frame things in such a way that they say, wait a minute, why are we doing this anyway? Like, let me just throw out a few of them, all right? Why uh, on the night that we're celebrating our freedom do we go through this rigid structured uh, ceremony called a Seder. Seder means order. Why are we like expressing our freedom through this very structured experience? Okay. Another question. Why are we so into questions on the night of Passover? Why is it all about the kids on the night of Passover? Why are we celebrating freedom on Passover if really we're still kind of not free? To a certain degree, the Jewish people are not all in our homeland. There's still a lot of oppression in the world, right? There's still a lot of suffering in the world. What, what, what's going on with that? There's so many questions to ask. Why are we grateful for God for taking us out of Egypt? Who put us in there in the first place? <laughs> it's like, uh, this guy comes to, um, Rev Noah Weinberg of Asha Torah, the founder of Asha Torah. And he says, Rabbi, me and God, we're like this. We're so close to each other. I don't need to come to your classes. One time I was, I was like riding my bike on a cliff and I literally fell off the cliff and I landed on a branch, like one branch separating me and oblivion. And I landed on that branch and I'm telling you, God loves me. And Rabbi Weinberg said, who do you think threw you off the cliff? So why are we so thankful to God for saving us? He put us into this mess. Okay, The questions go on and on. I want you guys to think about the questions. Try to figure it out. What's the message of the Seder? Okay, The Seder is 15 steps to experience freedom. And another thing that I believe is that the goal of the Seder is that we should experience, says it in the, in the Haggadah, we should experience like we ourselves came out of Egypt. How would you feel if you came out of 210 years of backbreaking slavery? How would you feel when you got out? Anyone? 
Okay. I hear the overwhelmed, and I heard a little. Someone told today. Someone said today, anxious. I hear that. How else would you feel? If God took you out, literally, God saved you. You had a death sentence, and God broke you out of prison, got rid of your disease. How would you feel? Joy. Okay. Some resentment, some trauma. Ah, feel blessed. You would feel blessed. You would feel special. And ultimately, how would you feel towards God for taking you out and saving you? An overwhelming feeling, I hope, of gratitude, right? I think that the Seder is meant and designed to bring us to a state of gratitude. So again, and humility. Oh, Mike... Mike, you hit it on the head. Yeah. Oh, you realize you're not in control. You feel humbled that you couldn't have done this on your own. And by the way, just just a side point, I think that's the reason behind all the questions also. Because to ask a question, you have to be realize that you don't know something. And when you acknowledge that you don't know something, that's a state of humility. Matzah represents humility. Matzah is what it is. It's not made of any anything else. It's not puffed up. There's no ego. There's no arrogance. There's no there's no facade. Matzah is humility because the goal of the night is to experience humility. And when we rec- get to a place of humility, then we can be grateful to others because only when we recognize we couldn't do it without you are we then able to say thank you. So, excellent. All right. So, I want to run through these 15 points, okay? Just keep in mind a couple of things. First of all, you don't eat until stay, step 11, okay? So come to the Seder well eaten, okay? Number one, all right? Number two, this whole thing starts only after the stars come out. So that's like 8.30 at night. And if you do it right, you're not getting to the food till at least 11, all right? So... Be prepared. There's a story of a uh, of a Russian beggar named uh, Ivan who was traveling around collecting funds, and he heard that if on the night of Passover you go to a Jewish home, you get the best meal. So Ivan got very excited. He put on a yarmulke and he went to a Jewish meal on the night of Passover. And he's sitting there, and he's waiting for that meal. They come out, beautiful, finest silver. Everything's so beautiful and sparkling. They sit down at the table, and they bring out a small piece of potato, and they dip it in salt water. And he's like, all right, that was the appetizer. Now where's the meal? And then they start saying this stuff in Hebrew. And they keep going. And going, and going, and going, and going. And it just keeps going on and on and on. And finally, they're like, all right, after hours, he's like, where's the meal? They're like, all right, time to wash their hands for the for the bread. They go wash their hands. They bring out crackers, like stale, dry crackers. And he's like, what? And then he's like, all right, well, hopefully the meal's coming soon. And then they bring out crane, 
horseradish. And he's like, what? I'm out of here. And he gets up and leaves. And they're like, wait, where are you going? We're about to bring out the food. <laughs> so it's a metaphor for life. Good things come to those who wait. Right? You go through the 15 steps, you get the redemption. But you got to go through each of the steps. Okay? It's not about reliving ancient history. It's about experiencing it for ourselves. Okay, so let's go through the steps as fast as we can. Um, we start out lighting candles just like Shabbos. We do not um, work on the holiday. No phones. But there is an exception is that you can utilize fire that's already lit and you can cook with a flame that's already lit. So we start out with the lighting of candles just like on Shabbos. And then we, we prepared before Passover a Seder plate that has on it like a chicken leg, um, an egg. The chicken leg represents the Paschal lamb that's brought on Passover. The roasted egg represents the Chagiga. It's a different offering brought on Passover. Some lettuce, horseradish, some charosis, which represents the bricks, the mortar that we use to build the bricks. Um, carpus is a vegetable. And three matzahs, the matzah that we use on the night of the Passover have to be shmura matzah. That means that the flour is guarded from the time that the grain is cut to make sure it doesn't come in contact with any water. And four cups of wine. Okay. One prerequisite to the, all the eating, the main eatings, besides the ones that are bitter, is we lean to the left. Like a um, Cleopatra sitting on one of those royal robes with the grapes. So that represents freedom. So we lean to the left every time we eat. And we also, another custom is that you know, you don't pour your own cup of wine on Passover. You have someone else pour for you. But the real message there is because we say you're royalty. So a king doesn't pour his own cup. But I think the deeper message is that if, you know, you're, someone's pouring your cup, but what are you doing? You're pouring someone else's cup. So the real message is to be royal means to think about filling other people's needs. Think about other people. Okay, don't think about yourself. So, um, okay. So we start out with Kaddish. We make Kiddish, just like we do on Friday night. Cup of wine, drink, ideally the whole cup. If you can't, drink at least most of the cup in just a couple of minutes, leaning to the left. Then, Urochatz, we wash our hands, just like we would for bread, but we do not make a blessing. And the purpose for this is to get the kids to say, what is going on here? Just get the kids to ask questions. There's obviously deeper reasons behind everything that we do. There's Kabbalistic reasons. But just the simple, simple explanation, okay? Another explanation for that is that we're about to dip a vegetable into water, salt water, and we wash our hands before dipping vegetables, whatever. Fine. A little known law that most people don't do. Okay. Then we carpus, we take a small piece of vegetable, very small, celery, potato, parsley, dip it into salt water. The vegetable symbolizes rebirth, springtime, rejuvenance. The salt water symbolizes our tears, the hard labor. Right, there's going to be a rebirth. There's going to be a, a sustenance here, but it's going to come through the suffering. And another symbolism of this is that the slaves eat small pieces of food at a time. So we're going to experience being hungry. And in fact, it's a tease because you're like really hungry. And you have this 
tiny little piece of potato and begin to think a little bit about what it would be like to be a slave. Then, yachatz, we break the middle matzah, symbolizing breaking the heart of the Jewish people. Um, many, there's a lot of symbolism for everything. Okay, we break the matzah, and the larger half is um, is hidden away for the afikomen. And then we start Magid. Magid is the story, and we essentially tell the story of our slavery. And you could tell it in your own language, really. As the more detail, the better. The Haggadah follows Talmudic teachings on the Haggadah, but the key is to try to make it real, try to make it personal, try to think about what it would have been like for you, and take any messages. The key is asking questions. Anyone who asks a question on the night of Passover, we have a custom, is they get a treat. Okay? So try to get Encourage questions at your Seder. Just thinking about what does it mean to be Jewish? What does it mean to be human? What are the what is the message of some of these teachings? And whatever you get from it, you get from it. The more the better. Um, we start by talking about halachma anya, the bread of poverty. This is the bread that our ancestors ate when they were slaves in Egypt. There's only one problem: is that that same bread is the bread that the Torah tells us the Jews ate when they went out of slavery because they didn't have time to bake bread. They were running out of slavery. So is it the poor man's bread or is it the rich man's bread? Is it the bread of poverty and affliction that we ate when we were slaves because we were so we we're so busy as slaves we didn't have time for our bread to rise? Or is it that we were free and we were running out of Egypt that we didn't have time for our bread to rise? Is it poverty or is it freedom? Is it yeah, what do you say? Jesse, Ari, is that you? Um, the answer is, I believe, is that it's all, it's the same bread. The simple bread could be bread of poverty or it could be bread of freedom. It's all about your attitude. It's all about the way you're looking at it. It's all about your mindset. Just like I always say on Sukkot, that Sukkot is a holiday of, of joy, because when you're living in a hut, if you can learn to be happy in a hut, you can be lear- learn to be happy anywhere. And if you can't learn to be happy in a hut, I guarantee you won't be happy in a mansion either. Same thing with matzah. If you can learn to focus on the joy of what you have, to learn to be grateful, to learn to be humble, you can be happy with the simplest food on earth. It can be the greatest liberation when you recognize that, you, that matzah is the secret to everything. Being humble, being what you are, not having ego and arrogance leads to the greatest freedom because you're not afraid of failing anymore. You just are who you are. That's the secret of matzah. Okay? But there's so much more to be said. Manashtana, we go through different questions that the kids ask. Why is this night different from other nights? We go through the story of the Haggadah. And then we finally end up with four sons. Right, there's four sons. Which son are you? Are you the son that's wise, that knows what questions to ask or know or, or thinks he knows answers? Maybe being wise is not such a good thing tonight. Maybe the Haggadah is not really for that son. Are you the wicked son, the son that feels somehow cut off from this whole story? Are you the simple son that doesn't know how to ask or the son that doesn't even know how to ask questions? Or maybe the Lubavitcher Rebbe says there's a fifth son who doesn't show up. 
The fifth son is the Jew who's completely assimilated, completely disconnected from Judaism. Which son are you? Or maybe we're all of them. Maybe we have parts of us inside that are involved, parts that are disconnected, parts that want to rebel. Let's try to tap in and figure out who, which son is really the son, the star of the show. I'm not here to give you answers, just to get you to ask questions. Okay, the Talmud says you have to start the story with the negative. Start talking about the negative parts of our history, how we started out as idolaters, how we went into Egypt and we suffered. Start the story from the negative, and from the negative you see the positive. Tell your story. What's your story? Where did you come from in your life? Where have your people been? What's some of the struggles, personal struggles that your family went through in the former Soviet Union? What's some of the personal struggles that you've been through in your own life? And then we say, uh, as we continue the story, there's a, something called Vahisha Amda. We stand up and we talk about the promises that God made to Avraham. The promise that God made to Avraham is that your children will go into exile, into a land that is not theirs, and they will be oppressed there. That's the past 2,000 plus years of Jewish history right there, plus the exile in Egypt, and before that, the exile in Babylon. But says God to Avraham, and, and I will not forget them, they will come out. And I will bring them back. So we're celebrating those two simultaneous contradictory promises. We're going to suffer. We're also going to rise to great heights of spirituality. We're going to be hated, but we're going to change the entire world in human history. We're going to give religion to two-thirds of the globe. We're going to give morality and ethics to the entire modern world. We're going to be hated and scorned, but at the same time, we're going to literally change the world. So it's the paradox of Judaism and Jewish history. Then we go through the ten plagues, discuss the various uh, teachings about those ten plagues and the metaphors and the symbolism. And then finally we end up with something called Dayenu, which everyone knows, Day, Dayenu, Day, Dayenu. That's the only song I knew growing up, the only Passover song. Dayenu says... If, if, if none of this had happened, it would still be worthwhile. We'd still be forever grateful to God. If he had only taken us out of Egypt and never brought us to Israel, never given us the Torah, never split the sea, it would still be enough. Dayanu means it's enough. We would still be grateful for all time. Think about in your own life all the stuff you have and then say thank you for each and everything. And if if you had never had those things, it would still be enough. We would still be eternally grateful for the goodness that we have in our life. Then we say the three obligations of the night. Pesach, that God jumped, literally to jump over the houses of the Jewish people. It has to do with jumping out of your constriction, reaching your full potential, being picked up out of that which holds you back. Springtime to literally jump out. Spring means to jump, to jump out of the winter into openness, out of time, out of constriction. Matzah, matzah, which symbolizes the bread of freedom. Humility, as we mentioned, complete and utter simplicity, being totally open. Mar, the bitterness, that it's through that bitterness, the we eat the bitter herbs or the lettuce, that through that bitterness comes the greatest freedom when you break out of that. And without the darkness, you can't really appreciate the light. Then we move on to the next step, Raksa. We wash our hands, this time with a blessing. We make hamotzi on the three matzahs. 
we drop to the bottom matzah, and then we make matzah, a blessing on the matzah, on the top two matzahs. We eat it in three to four minutes, leaning to the left, two-thirds of a machine matzah, half of a round matzah, in three to four minutes without talking. Just meditate on the most boring taste you will ever have in your life. Seriously, and think about how that's the greatest freedom. Find sweetness in that, in that humility, in that simplicity, in that in, in that just mundaneness. Um, think, you know, you can literally taste the sand that your ancestors walked through in the desert with every bite of matzah. Okay, mar, then we make a blessing on the mar, uh, lettuce or horseradish, lean to the left. Each person should eat like a large leaf of lettuce. Oh, you don't lean for this one, sorry. And again, eat it in silence. Taste the bitterness. Fear the tears. Then we have something called karach, where we mix matzah with mar and dip it in the charosis. You taste the bitterness, the sweetness, the poverty, the freedom, the, all, all of it all together and recognize that it's literally all all mixed up. And then finally, Shulchan Arach, the moment we've all been waiting for, we eat the meal. Um, you're supposed to end the meal before Jewish midnight, which is uh, every year is different depending on the season, whatever. it's uh, I think it's around, it's usually around 1 a.m. And then uh, then we eat the tzafun, the afikomen. We eat that last pizza matzah, which symbolizes uh, the carbon Pesach, the Paschal lamb, which we don't have nowadays. We eat that last piece of matzah, not dipped in anything, just again, plain matzah, which symbolizes our faith in God's simplicity again. And then Baruch, we bless. We say the blessing after the meal. Then we fill up a cup for Eliyahu, the prophet, who's supposed to come, uh, the harbinger for Mashiach who's supposed to literally answer all our questions. There are so many questions we have in life, so many unanswered problems. Why was there a Holocaust? Why did my mother pass away? Why did my parents get divorced? Why didn't I get accepted on the soccer team? We all have questions. Why was there a coronavirus? When Mashiach comes, we will get answers to all those questions. That's symbolized by Eliyahu. The night is a night of questions. A Jew has to learn to live with questions. We do not have answers to everything in this world. But we have faith that there is an answer. We have faith that everything happens for a reason. Then finally, we say Hallel. We say certain praises uh, to God from Psalms. And finally, Nirtz at the end, we sing next year in Jerusalem. Right? This Israel is not a state. It's a state of mind. Jerusalem is not a city. Jerusalem is a concept where the entire world will come together in world peace. Right now, we're in a state of incompletion, but we hope and pray on Passover that the final redemption will come for the entire world, the entire Jewish people back in the land of Israel, the entire world together experiencing the oneness and unity of God's revelation, world peace, and happiness. Let us say amen. Thank you for listening. Um, I wish you all a beautiful Passover. Sorry we went over.